Hey there, welcome to Marketing Like a Mother, a podcast made for mompreneurs by mompreneurs. Each week, we are diving into mom-approved business and marketing strategies to help you grow a profitable and family-friendly business. Today, I am your co-host, Olivia Radcliffe. And I am Michelle Ponfit. And you may hear at some point or another, our other co-host for the day, my two-and-a-half-year-old toddler. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually brings us to the topic of today's conversation, which is all around how in the world we actually balance running our businesses. We each have two businesses at this point. (laughs) um, And, you know, being a mom and life and all these other things that we're juggling. So, um, Michelle, do you just want to jump in and start talking about your schedule and constraints and, you know, what works for you? Yeah. So, uh, background on my side. So I have my web design business and I work with Olivia on our joint business. And all of that fits around my family, my son in particular, and like life. And it is very much by design that it's that way. I basically started my business because I had at that point a fairly newborn and in arms. I needed to find a solution to not only earn some money, but keep my brain active going through very tough newborn times. Um, And as my business has grown, my son has grown too. And we actually found out last year that he is on the autistic spectrum. And since that discovery, I've really taken a very proactive role in shaping my business around him and his needs and all of our appointments and basically making sure that my business is run life first, that all of that stuff comes first. So in practical sense, that means we have about an appointment a day and I am the one who takes him to those appointments, brings him back potentially to school or not if he's on a school day. And sometimes all of that's done on my own. My husband works in film and will potentially go on a shoot for months on end um, or he'll be home with me all the day. So sometimes we do that together. Sometimes he takes over and sometimes it's just me. And my business fits into those little gaps when he is at school in sort of the daycare system we have here in France. Uh, once upon a time with a nanny, though we're not really doing that anymore now, he's in the school system, which leaves me some weeks with like five hours to work, some weeks with no time, and some weeks with like a luxurious 20 hours to work. Um, and that schedule is basically how it is and may be for the rest of school time for us. And it's something I'm really baking into how I'm putting together the offers I sell in my business and how Olivia and I have really shaped what we're creating in our joint business, because she also has a less than typical schedule, um, which I'm sure you can explain better than I can. Yeah, so I, um, I, as I mentioned, I have a two and a half year old toddler. Uh, I work from home with him and he, uh, he participates in a lot of my day to day work stuff. Uh, there are some client calls, obviously, where it's better. He, he's, you know, not participating just out of respect for, for clients and what, you know, we're working on. Um, there's other meetings and such where they absolutely love seeing him and uh, he loves participating and, um, you know, giving his two cents in things now. Um, 
but kind of like you said, it's the work, my work schedule tends to fit in around his schedule. I put very much being a mother to him first, the family first, you know, life first aspect in business. And um, I tend to work, you know, when he's napping, when he goes to bed, things like that, which does mean that the rest of the day is spent, you know, either focusing on him doing preschool, you know, doing house chores, you know, going grocery shopping or doing really fun adventures and exploring and doing things like that. But it's very much not a typical schedule where you clock in at nine o'clock and you clock out at five and you're done. And that's that. And um, that's actually caught a lot of people off guard in Mm -hmm. kind of in a good way and in a bad way sometimes too. Yeah, I feel like I, I've never had a traditional nine to five job. I tried once to have a more traditional office job and it lasted like a year. <laughs> um, I used to work in film and we don't have traditional hours. And now my husband still works in film. We very much live our days like you out in the world when everyone else is in the office and then kind of work when everyone else is usually home or doing other things. Um, and it's, it's a weird thing to operate in society like that and I think it's it's becoming more normal in this online business space especially with people working with different time zones like I never have a client in the same time zone as myself and I think that helps but it does have impact in how you think about business if it's always in the corners of the day if it's always like secondary and I think the thing that I really admire about you and the way you do things and something I personally try and emulate is that I feel like you almost juggle all of the balls and they each get equal space in your world, Mm -hmm. but not all at the same time. And that's something I see you doing in your work and your business and uh, collaborations, but I'm personally not as good at task switching as you are. And that's something that does take me a little bit more time to get in and out of work mode and, something I'm like personally working on, but that's something I really admire in how you do things. Well, thank you for saying that because that is something that actually took me, I've worked on that very, very hard. And I do have to remind myself of that sometimes. (laughs) And um, it's all about, you know, I'm, well, moms, we're multitaskers. That's, oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's like a survivor survival skill. We we have to multitask to keep things going. But for me, it's all about knowing when not to multitask mm-hmm. and looking at each thing with intention. You know, I have the intention of being 100% focused on whatever this priority is at the time. Yeah. Uh, because early on, it, I, I burned myself out quite a bit, like jumping back and forth from task to task to task and, you know, mom brain to you know, homeowner brain to (laughs) this business brain to that business brain and that client and that, I mean, and it was, it was really, really hard on, on, you know, my, my mental well being. I started to, um, I I lost my short-term memory. I wasn't able to remember details about anything (laughs) and I would end the day feeling just absolutely drained and like I couldn't mm. do anything that was all I could do just to get ready for bed and and collapse like and so it took a a real shift in in deciding that like all right I might not have all the time I want 
an avocado. Thank you. I might not have all the time I want to focus on everything, but whatever I am focusing on, I make that my, that's, that's my priority at that time. So, yeah, I think that's something, I mean, I see in action, but something I am finding, a, I guess, a more scientific approach to being able to actually implement because it's not something my brain wants to do as naturally. I think maybe that's just the mum thing. Maybe that's just like how my brain is. But I found I really like the Eisenhower matrix way of making decisions and figuring out what the priority is. Because if I leave my brain to decide, I will think all the things are urgent that need to be done today. Um, and the Eisenhower matrix is just a really simple way to break down how urgent and important something is. So if you think of a grid of four boxes, in the, I'm not good at left and right, I am directionally dyslexic, but in the top left corner, <laughs> you have things that are urgent and important. And anything that falls into those categories really is the stuff you should be working on now. Then in the top right corner, I have to do left and right with my hands to get that straight. <laughs> uh, you put anything that is important, but not urgent. That one I'll come back to in a sec. But then if you kind of go into that dark, like bottom part of that, uh, matrix, then you have things that are not important, but urgent. And then the last one is not important and not urgent. So it's pretty obvious what to do with those. We probably don't do them, but finding the balance between those things that are important, but not urgent and urgent and not important can be quite tricky and getting with client work and getting, you know, other people into that equation when it's your kids, partner, business partner, clients, anything like that can scramble up those priorities a little bit. So I find it really helpful to lay out for myself, like, what does my business need? What is my business's priorities using that matrix? And for clients, maybe even for life and helping myself just like visually sort out what are the things I need to work on now? Those are those important and urgent. What are the things that are urgent, but not that important? Can they be prioritized? Can they be delegated? Can they be shifted around so that they get dealt with in a less urgent way? Because we don't want to ever drop the ball on the not urgent, but important things, especially in business. Those are usually the ones that actually move the needle. And I think that's the easiest thing for people like us who have multiple priorities to forget. We just deal with putting out fires all day. And we can often forget or not make space for those things that have long-term impact, but aren't immediately like on fire <laughs> and need to be dealt with. And particularly with clients, they can always feel more urgent than they perhaps are. So I don't know if that's helpful to anybody else. I hope my directionally dyslexic brain was able to explain that very clearly, but I do find it really helpful to just break down in a more concrete way those decisions because personally, I can't work through that process just in an instant abstractly as easily as some other people. I mean, that's, I think that's really super helpful. And I do think I was trying to visualize things, but I do think you did it right. Left <laughs> right. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Let us know. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's important distinctions to realize what's urgent versus what's important. Cause mm -hmm. a lot of things I, I, think can feel very important to us and they're not so much. There's a yeah. lot of busy work things that can kind of come up and you feel like I have to do this, you know, thing right now. But really, if you stop and take a moment to really hash out, okay, do I have to do that now? <laughs> or is it important? Like there's a lot of things in there that, that 
we um, kind of fall back on just because of, of, of other things we're dealing with, like imposter syndrome and things like mm-hmm. that, where we start to procrastinate on doing those truly important things that are really actually going to add to the bottom line or add to our, you know, our quality of life and and those around us. Yeah. Um, And I think probably it's a common thread for a lot of entrepreneurs that we get excited about trying the new things. We get some shiny object syndrome. We like to dabble (laughs) and it can be hard to figure out what of those shiny objects is actually worth exploring and which ones are just that shiny and should be put in a box and looked at later when they maybe have time for it. And again, I think when we're living in that place of survival and just trying to get by, which can happen to a lot of people building businesses on the corner of the day with kids, with other priorities, it can be really hard to just take that critical thinking moment to decide, okay, is this shiny or is this actually something worth applying to my business? Is it going to make sense? Is it working towards my actual goals? Does it fit in with my actual values and plans and mission for what I'm trying to build with the business and with my family? And I think that just little pause to think around those things makes deciding on like how you're going to market your business, how you're going to move forward, any ongoing education you want to take, any programs you're thinking of enrolling with, it really does help make those decisions slightly easier. I can't say that it's 100% accurate because sometimes they're really hard to make, but I, I find it does help just getting that reality check of how it all fits in. Do you have space? Is it the thing you want to make space for? Um, and kind of coming from that place versus it being what everybody else does, or it sounds good, or it feels like the thing to do right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think another important distinction is, you know, the things you must do versus Mm. the things you should do. Um, A lot of times our musts are things that we absolutely do find time for on our schedule, no matter what, they're things we absolutely have to get done. (laughs) And we, we will move heaven and earth to be able to do our musts. And then Mm -hmm. there are things that we should do, like, I should be working out every day or doing some sort of cardio, or I should like be taking the time to meal prep on a Sunday. Um, but that's not a must, you know, the, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of understanding what those shoulds versus musts are in your yeah. life. If there's a should in your life that needs to switch to being a must uh, just in your own, you know, mental time space, you know, being able to accept that as something that you absolutely need to do. Yeah. And I think there's, that's a really interesting point of like, what, what needs to be assured that actually you're putting in the must column and maybe vice versa. And I'm going to be like devil's advocate that maybe there's a third column of things you really want to do. Like you're excited about, you have energy to like follow there and some of that can be shiny objects but I do think there's something worth feeding the excitement when you're feeling really pulled to something putting that off forever can be really frustrating and kind of self-sabotaging so I do think there's like maybe the little asterisks of a third column of the stuff you're just really really excited to do that you feel really pulled to that feels really good and fulfilling and creative I think those almost fall in the must category. Maybe not like feed your kid, wash them, but, you know, pretty high up there. 
Yeah, no, I agree completely. And I think another big distinction in there is the can't versus won't thing. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times we say, oh, I can't do that thing. I, I can't do that right now. I can't do that. When really it's something that we don't want to do <laughs> or we 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 won't do it for one reason or another. It doesn't fit with mm-hmm. our schedule. doesn't fit with a dinosaur doesn't fit with our priorities. It doesn't fit with what our goals are at the time. And I think it's pretty important to have an understanding of, well, why we're saying can't versus won't and getting, getting really, really clear on that distinction. So we have an understanding of, you know, what we do want to focus on, you know, what Mm -hmm. are our priorities? What are our goals? And how can we kind of structure our day, our schedule, what we're doing, what we're focusing on, to help support that in the end and, and not get caught up doing anything that's busy work or maybe, you know, things that we don't really want to do that don't really light us up or add to the bottom line in any way. But. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Like the, I think the narrative that you have in your head, the voices in your head that kind of guide your decisions, especially when they're a little bit more subconscious actually are really important in how you live out the business you're running, the life you're living, Mm -hmm. the boundaries you hold or not. And I think we can all be kind of culturally socialized or just like in our own lives, kind of conditioned to do things that don't actually line up with ultimately what you want. Um, To just like share a little anecdote, I used to work in film. I was in LA. That's where I met my now husband. And I got started in this like apparently very desirable, exciting goal. I was working in like Hollywood movies. I feel like young me couldn't have thought of anything cooler, but the lifestyle that went with that just wasn't fitting my idea of what I wanted out of my life. And I felt very sort of struck by this feeling of like, oh, this amazing life that I am currently working towards, all these women I admired with the jobs that like I would only dream of having didn't have the life I actually wanted. They didn't have lots of family time, maybe didn't even have families because the lifestyle that that job required didn't give space for that. And that conflict within myself of like the dream job that I was sort of pursuing and the life I actually wanted became so much that I was just like, I can't work in this industry because there is no space for me and my goal, my idea of what a good life is. And it was really hard to leave that and, you know, a big challenge. But I think that putting the stake in the ground of almost pushing too far or seeing like there is not space for me here was the defining thing that then led me to build my own business and make things my own way because I felt so sure that the other option was not what fit me and not what I wanted out of my own life. Because ultimately, it's only for us to dictate what our lives look like. Like no one else is going to make it for you. No one else is going to tell you. You can follow the you know traditional rules that are laid out, the roles, the jobs. But ultimately, if it's not making you happy, it's not living the life you want. And I think we have a lot more power and a lot more say in that than we maybe recognize. And it's scary to put your foot down. It's scary to leave things. It's scary to say no. It's scary to say, I won't do that. But I think the things we turn down and say no to are as impactful as the things we say yes to. And the things we let into our world are just as important as the things we don't let into our world too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And 
along those lines, you know, there's always the understanding of what works for me and what's important for me might not look the same as what works for you or is important to you or your priorities or what your schedule looks like. Mm. And it would not turn out well if I tried to structure my day and what I do and how things go off of what you do, because what you do is based off of your wants and your needs and your priorities or what you don't want or don't need, you know? Mm. And I think a lot of times there becomes this kind of accepted norm of this is what your schedule is supposed to look like. Even Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, even as a mompreneur, we start to think, well, you know, I've seen, I've worked with a lot of women who have a lot of guilt because they do send their children to childcare during the day so they can stay home and work uninterrupted. Mm. And then I work with moms who have a lot of guilt because they are keeping their kids home from childcare because they want to spend time with them and then feel guilty because they're not focusing on their clients fully and, you know, aren't, you know, focusing on bringing in the financial means to help support their kids. Mm. And I think that guilt can, um, I think it can sneak in when we're trying to make something look like something someone else has, you know, something yeah. that works for someone else and instead of focusing on what really, really we want, what works for us, what, you know, lights us up, aligns with what our goals are. Mm. And I, I think that's just a very key distinction. I've seen a lot of people get in caught in that trap of, of trying to see, well, what, what does this look like? Even this episode, I'm sure there are some people who, jumped on to listen because you want to see what, what we actually do, what works there. Yeah, the magic right. formula we've got yeah, the hiding. magic formula <laughs> and sorry, but there really is no magic formula except yeah. to be true and aligned with what works for you. Yeah. And I think like we're all playing with different cards. We all have different circumstances. We all have different wants, needs, dreams, goals, challenges, you know, things on our plates that other people don't have. And I think looking at other people's cards is not really helpful because you're playing a different game. And I think that comparison can be, it it can be hard to get over, but it is something I think the second you let it go is very liberating to be like, okay, I'm just playing my own game over here in this corner. And I think Personally, when I started embracing that and I started leaning into that more in how I wanted to run my business, I found more people like that, more like you and me. And I think you start to actually create the business you want and create that circle because you're loud and proud saying what it is you're trying to achieve and putting out there those boundaries, those wants, those needs, those goals, because if you don't say them, people won't necessarily happen to find them and know and respect them, but also won't be drawn to them and won't find them really compelling and a reason to work with you too. So I think there can be a kind of negativity around mompreneur. It can sound like, you know, oh, it's just that cute hobby job that she's got so she doesn't go bored. Uh, but I think there's a disservice because you know, we are building real businesses and we are doing it with extraordinary extenuating circumstances, each and every one of us. And I think by saying that loudly and proudly, by shaping your office in a way that works for you, you're also creating things in the world for other people who also have those needs, who also have those constraints, who have been looking for something like that, that exists in the world and may not have found it unless you proudly put it out there too. 
Very well said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so for those people though, to go on the other side of things, for those people mm-hmm. who do want some quick, actionable tips, yes. are there any little um, little sneaky things you've found in your day to do to really help with your schedule? Yeah, I think... Honestly, the biggest thing that's helped is learning my own brain and my own rhythms and trying as best I can to lean into it. So as I said, my son's schedule dictates mine. So whatever corners of the day he doesn't need me is when I can work. But sometimes that's in the morning, sometimes that's in the afternoon, sometimes that's after he's in bed. And choosing which tasks I can do when I'm in my sort of best space, when I'm in a space where I can do deep focus, when I can have a chat, when I can just execute tasks that don't require so much brain space. Being really thoughtful about when I do which work has helped a lot. Because honestly, if you got me to record something after my son's in bed, it may not be English, it may not be French, it may just be nonsense. (laughs) That's not good to anybody. No, I mean, I, I'm along, I very much agree with that. And that was a very crucial detail for me as well as figuring out when my brain actually functions better doing which tasks. I'm very much a morning person. I know that like, I need to get my big, like deep thinking, really high functioning tasks done. Uh, definitely before he goes to bed, because once, <laughs> once my son's in bed, it's like, yeah, no, there may or may not be words there. And it's, yeah. Anything I speaking do, in French too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anything I do after bedtime, I know I'm going to have to redo at some point. <laughs> so I save the bedtime task for things like uh, catching up on, on trainings. I want to mm-hmm. do, you know, you know, just doing some creative things. I can do mm. some writing in that time, as long as it's more of the creative, I'm just stream of consciousness realm <laughs> of things. Uh, so it's a lot of, of my intuition check-in time. It's a lot mm. of my kind of check-in time for myself as well. Um, and then, so like I said before about figuring out when to multitask and when to not multitask, yeah, you know, the, the multitasking part very much is, you know, I listen to podcasts or something or books when I'm getting ready in the morning. Um, and then there are some days I'm going to be very confusing here. Very paradoxical. <laughs> there are some days where I intentionally don't listen to anything mm. uh, because I know I need that quiet in my brain. So yeah. I think it's a key of figuring out or maybe it's more of, this is a better way of saying it. It's more of accepting that Hmm. what you need in that moment is going to change from moment to moment. Yeah. And I think like, maybe it's another tip, maybe it's just what works for me, but I, I like having a running to-do list. I have a brain like a sieve. So if I don't put it somewhere, it will go away, but that doesn't mean I have to do all those things at once. And I think Personally, I start my day by doing my little Eisenhower matrix of like what actually needs to get done today, because otherwise I can very quickly fall into just like execute mode and not make space for that thinking, not make space for that reflection, that critical thinking. Um, I think the other thing that I would maybe share is figuring out how you best articulate, how you best think and process is really, really key to how well basically everything you put out comes out in the end. So some people are talkers, some people are like thinkers, some people are writers, some people are like actually visually 
creative and put things down in images or in, you know, sketches. And I think, again, working with your brain, how you process best is going to get you the best results. Like I keep a blog for my web design business and I found it very challenging to sit down and just write. So finding ways to verbally process it, to, you know, sketch it out physically on paper, having other ways to get my ideas out. And then I can repackage it in whatever format I need, but figuring out how to, again, work with my brain in a way that the ideas flow the best, that I feel like I'm getting my point across clearly. I'm basically, yeah, like at my best versus trying to shove whatever format I know the thing needs to end up in as the way to actually create it. So I don't know if that makes like a ton of sense, but basically lean into your brain. It knows better. It knows what it needs best. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, that makes a ton of sense to me. Um, I mean, even building out our group program, Simplify, you know, we've discovered you and I work best in, in very different ways and, you know, how we put together our slides and what we're saying and, you know, put together our, our high bullet points, for what we're talking about, things like that. Um, it's helped dictate you know, our own schedules personally. And then when we come together and how we work uh, very Mm. well and having that understanding has helped immensely really with just streamlining that process, (laughs) at least from my perspective. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely from mine too. And I think something that's come out of our collaboration and working together on building this program is like not just having compassion for like, okay, my brain doesn't work the same way as Olivia's. That's okay. Maybe that's a good thing. It has its own special magic, but it might be a good thing. A very good thing. (laughs) I love your brain. It's just different. Um, But I think it's given at least me a lot of compassion to how like we're creating content and creating a community and a program for lots of different brains. And I've always been a bit obsessed with the idea of how to make websites accessible and how to be inclusive. But it's kind of stretching that too of like, how do I want to not just create my website and my like life, but how do I want to also put things out into the world that are accessible and inclusive to people who have different circumstances, who have different needs than I may have. And I think kind of pulling that thread even further than just building a life first business and setting your boundaries. But I think having products, offers, services in the world that are also there for people who have other needs, other challenges, other requirements, other considerations is only a good thing. And as we kind of learn what's going on with my son and how he's approaching, you know, learning and doing things, it's just opening my eyes so much to the beautiful array of brains we have out in the world. So that's just like my little proud mama of <laughs> of a little guy who thinks about the world a bit differently. And I think it's been very eye-opening and very inspiring to be trying to create something at least that is a little bit more open than what I've found in the world. And I think as mums who are so good at being compassionate, so good at thinking about others, I truly think that is our power of being able to take that compassion, that love, that empathy we have for our kids and just broadening it out that little bit further into the work you do and bringing that same sense of care, that same sense of thought into your work because that is definitely needed and definitely something powerful there. Very powerful. Very mm. powerful. <laughs> well, on that note, 
<laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us this week on Marketing Like a Mother. If you found value in the show today and want to support some fellow mompreneurs, we'd really appreciate a rating or even just you know go out and tell a friend about the show. Now, we will be back next week with more marketing tips for busy moms with businesses. Until then, take care. Bye.